0: Welcome to Big Valley Grace Online. My name is Lonnie Skiles, one of the pastors of Big Valley Grace. It's my joy today to open up the Word and and, uh, share just a few things as to what it really means to be a part of the body of Christ. During this last few weeks, we've been talking about what the name of Big Valley Grace Community Church means. And Pastor Rick talked about what it means to be a part of a community. And as you look throughout Scripture, the illustration of a body is repeated over and over again by the Apostle Paul. That the that each of us who are in Christ is a part of a larger body. And the body of Christ is made up of fingers and toes as well as cells. And for, for all of us, we know that we're all only as healthy as our cells and as our fingers. Man, when my thumb hurts, my whole body hurts. When my leg hurts, my whole body hurts. And our desire as a body of Christ at Big Valley Church is that we'd be healthy and whole. And every cell is exactly where God wants it to be and functioning as God wants it to be. Well, today we're at, um, obviously, a river. And the reason we're at the river is when Pastor Joel asked me to teach here today about what it means and how significant it is to be in, in circles rather than rows. My first thought is Acts chapter 16. On that occasion, Paul and his friends, which included Timothy, Silas, and uh, and uh, Dr. Luke, uh, came into a town called Philippi, and Philippi didn't have a synagogue as most places do. Uh, because there weren't enough Jewish families. You had to have at least 10 Jewish families led by 10 men in order to have a synagogue in a city. And so Josephus tells us that when that was missing, that they were instructed to go outside the city about a mile where the sky would be open, and there they would meet together, they would read the word together, and they would pray together, and they worship the Lord together on the Sabbath. And so when Paul and his friends walk into Philippi on the Sabbath, they look, are looking for a place of prayer. And Paul goes outside the city about a mile and a half, and he goes to the Ganges River, um, which looks really about like this. And there he found a group of women engaged in prayer in the study of the word. It's interesting that even 2,000 years ago, that there was a group of people that knew what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 4, that man cannot live by bread alone. The things of this world are not sufficient for our physical health, our emotional health, our spiritual health. But we need the Word of God in our lives. And so on that day, on that Sabbath day, Paul found a group of women on the riverbanks praying and studying. And they were excited when Paul and his friends walked up. And Paul was a Jewish teacher. And Paul began, at the opportunity that was given to him, began to teach them the Word of God and how the Old Testament uh, proved and and prepared us for the true Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came not to save mankind from the Romans, but to save them from their sins. And on that day, Lydia and her household gave their life to Christ. They were baptized in the river. And after she was baptized, she says to Paul, Paul, come. you and your friends, come to my house. And the church of Philippi was born that day. It was born that day on the banks of a river. It was born that day in a home. And for over 2,000 years, the, the church has thrived without a building. Even in China today, China is now experiencing the worst persecution they've ever experienced. And, and, and the new pre, uh, premier is following the footsteps of Mao, and he's trying to eliminate the house churches. He's actually trying to bring them into the place where they support the political agenda of the government. And so every church has to have a picture of Chairman Mao, uh, Chairman Mao and, and uh, the vice, uh, premier Zing has to have it, they have to promote the political agendas and the churches are being destroyed. And the churches now are in China, are scattered to the rivers, to the parks, uh, in their cars, in the woods. I had a friend, Bob Morgan, he's a pastor of uh, Cupertino Church, of um, Church in the Park in Cupertino. And he used to take a group of people into Romania, carrying Bibles in under Ceausescu and they would meet in woods and places like this secretly. And people are eager to receive the word and so here we are today uh, getting ready to look at the word of god we are in a spiritual battle aren't we the old testament says that there was a time that the men of issachar they understood the times and they knew what to do and more than ever we need to be like the men of issachar who understood the times and know what it is to do because our day's changing isn't it we're Pastor Rick shared just a few weeks ago that we're in a great spiritual battle. And the enemy would love to wrap us up in fear. The enemy would love to isolate us. He'd love to separate us. In fact, Jesus will later say in in those days before he comes that lawlessness will reign. And and people's hearts will grow cold to one another. And we're beginning to see some of those things happening right now. We're, We're masked. We can only be so many feet away. People are reluctant to invite people into their homes. They're they're reluctant to gather in a social social way because they're full of fear today. And the Lord calls us not to be a fearful people. He calls us to be obedient people. He calls us to be a people to trust Him and to watch Him work. And and today, I'm gonna gonna challenge each of you, wherever, wherever you are at, I'm gonna challenge you to be a bold man of God, to be a bold woman of God to enter into a venture with the Lord. And, and let's watch him work by doing daring things for Christ. Because ultimately one of these days we're gonna see him face to face. The day of the Lord is gonna come in our lives and, and, and we're, or we should eagerly wanna hear him say, welcome home. Well done. And so with that in mind, I want to take us to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. So I hope you have your Bibles with you. I hope you have a notebook and, and, and at least write down some of the verses that we're going to talk about. And it would be my desire and our desire, even as a church, is that we become men and women of the word and we study it and we apply it into our lives. And so uh, as, as we go into the word here, let me pray for us. Let's ask God to speak to us wherever you are at today. And let's just make this a holy moment and let's watch him work. So join me as we pray right now before we look at Hebrews chapter 10. Father, I thank you for this unique privilege. Lord, I'm just amazed that even when things look kind of dark and confusing, that you open up wide doors of opportunity. If if it wasn't for this pandemic we're in, I I probably wouldn't be on the riverbank here today. We wouldn't think about how to broadcast the gospel outside the walls of our church, and yet you have put us in a position where we're able to think... About things differently we ever thought before and you are in every aspect of it and I know right now that those who are watching online whatever day that they will see this is by your divine appointment it is by your work and Holy Spirit we ask that you would fill us today you would anoint us today that your word would speak to us today that it truly would be powerful today like a a sharp sword and would penetrate our hearts and and Lord it would embolden us to be men and women Lord for you and so, Lord, uh, this is your moment and your time. I commend it to you in Jesus' name. Lord, amen, amen, amen. I always like, uh, before I teach, I think, to understand the context of a passage of Scripture. So when we look at the book of Hebrews, and I just want to take a few moments to give you a little bit of background on the book of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote it. Some think it was either Barnabas or maybe Apollos, and you can read about them in the book of Acts, and it could be one of those. It certainly wasn't Paul. We know it was written before AD 70 because there's so much that's talked about the temple ceremonies that when Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70, the writer probably would have written about it differently. So it's probably somewhere in AD 60, about 30 years after Christ. And the writer is writing to a very select, small group of people because their leaders are in jail right now, just like they are in China. And so their leaders that they had counted on, their pastors they kind counted on, aren't there. And, and the writer says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. And I know your teachers are in jail, and, and I applaud you for how you have persevered. But I'm concerned for you is the flavor when you read the book of Hebrews. He's concerned that they're going to drift away from Christ, that they're going to go back to their old forms of worship of Judaism. He's concerned that they're going to stop persevering even though they had endured great persecution. As you read through the book of Hebrews, you'll, you'll see where the writer applauds them because they had property taken away from them and they, and they expressed joy and it was a, as though it was a privilege that God would, would grant them worthy to suffer for his sake knowing that the Lord has something better in store for them when they saw him face to face. But he was concerned that after a while they would grow weary and they would lose heart. He was also concerned the writer was concerned also is that that their hearts would become hardened and they would have the appearance of loving the Lord and they would say it with their lips but their heart was far from them and so those three things is what's driving the writer of Hebrews to write to these people and those three things are still are our concerns as pastors, for the people of Big Valley Grace and to whoever is hearing this message even today and And as you heard me pray, I I absolutely believe that this moment right now is a divine appointment. That whoever you are and wherever you are at as you are watching, that God has brought us together for this moment. And, And I'm praying that God would give you ears to hear and a heart to receive his word today. Because all of our concerns is that we dare not drift away. That we dare not lose our hope. That we dare not stop persevering in Christ. And that our hearts not become hardened by sin. And it's in It's with that background, this writer, in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19 through 25, which is our text here today, is why the reader writes this and why we're here today. So if you have your Bibles open, follow with me as I read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Here's what the writer says. Since all these things are true, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ, By a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, since all these things are true. Verse 22 says, let us draw near then, draw near to God with a sincere heart. In full assurance of our faith, full confidence, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, when you look at the first part of it, maybe for some of you, if the scriptures aren't familiar with you, you are saying, what in the world is he talking about? Let me just break that down for you uh, briefly, because this is is good stuff. The writer is saying is that you and I in Christ today can come with full confidence into the presence of our heavenly father without shame, without fear, and knowing that he fully accepts us and receives us. I love the passage here in verse 20. It says that he's broken the veil that has separated us. In the, old, in, the, in the days that this was written, there was a large veil that separated uh, the holiest of holies. And only one man could pass through this. And, he, and that one man was chosen by, by lot, by the casting of dyes. And as he would go in, he would offer sacrifices for the sins of Israel as well as for himself. That veil has been torn apart. We can go into the Holy of Holies in Christ because he has sprinkled us clean. He has washed us clean. He has removed a guilty conscience. He has removed our shame and we can be received with open arms by our Heavenly Father. I think it's a great place to start because there may be some that are here today that are listening today whose consciences aren't clean. That you know that if you were to stand in the presence of the Father right now, that your head would be in shame. In fact, you would be fearful because you know the Heavenly Father knows everything and and all would be revealed and there's no excuses and you would be found guilty and there would be no hope if you were to stand before Him. And the wonderful promise, and I love the word, therefore, since these things are true, Jesus Christ has made a way by where you and I can have fellowship with our Heavenly Father who made us and is preparing a place for us, who has a plan for us, and is willing to wash us clean and to make our consciences pure. And if that's you today, if, if, if your conscience is not pure, Paul would say today is the day of salvation, today is the opportunity. Today, before even this broadcast is done, Man, ask Christ to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to cleanse you. Ask him to embrace you and watch him work. Because I know not everyone who is watching this today would know Christ as many of us know him. and I would would be really remiss if I did not give you an opportunity, even right now, to say, Lord, come into my life. Because this isn't me. I want to access with you. I want to be received by you. I want to know you. I want my conscience clean. I want my body washed. Lord, would you do that? And that's a prayer that God will answer every time. And I hope hope you'll do that. If you haven't done it, do it now. For those of us who have, it's a good reminder to know what we have in Christ, that we have full access to him, that we are secure in him. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He'll never be erased. And he's preparing a place in heaven for us. And there is a day that we're looking forward to when we see him face to face. It's not the gold streets I'm looking forward to seeing. Oh, that's going to be an awesome thing. And I'm looking forward to seeing my dad. I'm looking forward to seeing my friends who've gone on before me. But who I'm really looking forward to? I want to see Jesus. And he's the one who made me. He's the one who knows me. He's the one who died for me. He's the one who forgave me. He's the one who gives my life purpose and meaning. And everything that I do, I want to do for him. Because I'm eager to hear him say, welcome home, Lonnie. Well done. So the rest of this is is for us. And so look at the rest of us. Down to look at verse 22. Let's start at 23. So since all these things are true, if we have this relationship with Christ, look what verse 23 says. It says, let us hold fast. Let us hold tightly to the confession of our hope without wavering, which is what I just did. Our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. It's not my good works that save me. It's in Christ. My hope is in Him. I want to hold fast to that confession of my faith. For He who promised... And the he is Jesus Christ, whose promise is faithful. is that great? To know the Lord will not fail in any of his promises. He is faithful. He will do exactly what he has promised. He said he will do. And one of those promises, he said, is I'm going to come again. Look at 24. And then it says, let us consider now, since these things are true, how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, Not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And look at this last phrase. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day was he talking about? What day is drawing near? That's in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter one, and when, as Jesus is ascending, two angels come down and, he, and the angels say to the disciples who are there, men of Galilee, why are you looking up to this heaven? This same Jesus that you see ascending is gonna come again in a similar way. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. There is a day that is coming that every Christian has looking forward to for over 2000 years a day when Jesus Christ will come. Many, like my father, has already met him. My father passed away not too long ago. Some of you have had friends that have passed away. But there are those of us who are alive that are still looking forward to his coming because he could come at the end of this day. We do not know when he comes. And so the writer says, as you see the day approaching, folks, don't stop meeting together. In fact, do it all the more. Encourage one another all the more as you see the day coming. Now, here's what's interesting. What happens before the day? Well, if I know the day is soon to come, in fact, the Word gives me some clues as to what some things might be going on just before it happens. In fact, Jesus describes that there's going to be a time it's like a woman who is pregnant and she starts feeling these labor pains, which happens, right, ladies? You know, just a few weeks before the baby is born, uh, the body's starting to get ready to give birth to a baby, and the muscles are contracting, and you're feeling these false, lab- these false birth pains, and you know it's getting closer, it's getting closer. I'm going four- to give you several passages of Scripture and write these down because we're not going to be able to turn to it. I'm not going to be able to read them, but I'm going to refer to them. Write these down. Look them up because these passages talk about what's going to happen before the day. Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus talks about what's going to happen before the day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verses 1 through verse 11, talks about what's going to happen before the day. uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, pretty much that whole chapter through chapter 4 to about verse 5 or 6, talks about what's going to happen before the day. And 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about what's going to happen before the day. So let's look at some of those passages. What's going to happen before the day? Jesus says in Matthew 24 that before the day is going to come, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Kingdoms are going to fight against kingdoms. And he says lawlessness is going to come. And all of these signs are are birth pains that will take place before the day. I encourage you to read Matthew 24. You'll feel like you're reading a newspaper. And I, and I love chapter 25 because this is where we all need be, to be. Because in chapter 5, Jesus goes right into a parable. And he says, and he tells a story of a wedding party that has 10, 10 uh, bridesmaids. And they all have these little uh, um, little lanterns, oil lanterns. And if you've ever been to Israel, you see them. They're not very big, about the size of a hand. And they have olive oil in it. And they're expecting the bridegroom to come. And they had their... They had their lamps ready to go, but he was delayed, and their oil was running out. Five of the brides were ready for the oil to run out, and sure enough, the bridegroom comes when it was least expected. Five were ready to meet the bridegroom. The other five said, please give us some oil. And said, well, I don't have enough oil to share. You need to go into town to get more oil. And off in town they went to go get more oil at a very late hour. And the five were welcomed in. And the other five were left standing outside because they were too late. You don't want to be too late. There's a time when he's going to come when we want to be the ones like, the, like those five young ladies that were ready for the bridegroom whenever he would come. We want to be like the master, which is also in the parable of Matthew 25. We want to be like the, 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 when the master leaves and the employers are waiting for the master to come. We want to be ready for the master to come. Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians that the day is going to come like a thief when it's least expected. And because of who we are in Christ, we know the day is coming. So we ought not to be unprepared. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that in the last days people are going to be lovers of themselves, they're going to be greedy, they're going to be disobedient to parents, and the people of the church, they're going to to want to find teachers who will tickle their ears, who will entertain them, because they won't tolerate sound doctrine. We don't want to be that that people, we're not that people at Big Valley. This is the word of God, and we're going to teach it every time, every opportunity we get. But we need to understand that in the days just before Christ comes, the Word of God is not going to be tolerated by people. They're not going to want to hear sound doctrine. They're not going to hear real truth. They're going to want their ears to be tickled and entertained. And then Peter says, in 2 Peter 3, that there's going to be mockers. There's going to be people who are going to say, where's Jesus? And hey, We've been waiting for him for 2,000 years. He hasn't come. It's just all a joke. It's all a myth. And Peter says, oh, folks, you know better. Don't be confused. He's coming. He's just patient. He's not wanting to any should perish. And since you know these things, how ought you to be? And the writer says, as you see the day approaching, how ought we to be? Folks, we need to be together. We meet together in large groups like we do on weekends. But folks, don't let that be the only time that we are getting together. Folks, we need to get together. We need to meet one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to encourage one another according to the word, just like what the ladies were doing in Philippi. And so here's my challenge to you. I want you to think through this with me. I'm going to ask you to be daring. I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to enter a venture with the Lord. Next week, Pastor Rick is going to introduce a new series on the Ten Commandments. I'm going to challenge you to enter the adventure with us. There are people in your workplace that have heard about the Ten Commandments, but they don't know them very well. And I'll guarantee you, they have a. <clears throat> they do not understand the Ten Commandments as it's meant to be understood. And we're going to be, in the next 10 weeks, we're going to be dig- digging deep in the Ten Commandments. And what we have discovered is if you only come on a Sunday or if you only are watching this every once in a while, you're only going to retain just a maybe 5% of everything that I've said here today. We want each of us to be students of the Word. So here's the challenge. You got a friend? You got two friends, three friends? Would you go invite them? And In fact, try to include someone that maybe isn't really... You has an interest in Christ, but let's have Christ-centered conversations and let's invite people. Would you, would you be willing to meet with me on a regular basis? And let's pray together. Let's encourage one another. Let's, let's stimulate one another love loving good works. And let's watch God do his work in us. And let's study the word together. Would you do that for me? We have an incredible tool that we're going to offer to you. And that tool is going to help you to dig deep into his word. But instead of hanging out with just a bunch of Christians, let's, let's broaden our circles because, folks, the days draw near. You remember when we were in school and the recess bell would ring and we have five more minutes? That bell is ringing. we got five more minutes before the day of the Lord comes. There's a window of opportunity here that, that might be closing soon. I'm serious. <laughs> let's be His servants. Let's be like the bridegrooms that are ready to go. Let's be like the, the 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 employees are at work that are ready and waiting for the master to come, doing his work, and let's do what what the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us to do as we see the day draw near. Folks, let's meet in groups. For some of you, you'll feel comfortable to open your home, and that's a great. We'd love to know that because I know there'd be some that'd love to be connected to you, but in this pandemic. Folks, we can't let this pandemic stop us. Let's meet in parking lots. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I was driving through McDonald's, someone waved at me and I saw a group of cars meeting with their, with their tailgates up and there's a group of Big Valley having a tailgate party around the word of God. Let's meet in parking lots. Let's meet down by the river. Let's have coffee together outside around a table. Let's meet in our driveways, let's meet in parks. Let's don't wait for church to happen. Let's make church happen wherever we are at and let's invite people into it. When I had the opportunity for six years to work at a local construction company, I invited two groups of people to study the word with me. We met early before work began. God did wonderful things and he'll do wonderful things in your life as you step forward and you say, Lord, here am I, use me. Would you do that for us? Would you let us know that you're joining us and let's watch God work together as we reach out and to say, would you join me? Would you pray with me? Would you study the word with me? And let's watch God work. I want to pray. Father, thank you for this privilege and this opportunity here today. Lord, if you're not in and none of this really matters, but if you are, Lord, you do great and mighty things which will awesomely surprise us. I know it, you, <laughs> we're never a loser when we step out in faith trusting you. It's a guaranteed win. Because you notice even when a cup of cold water is given in your name, how much more you notice when we give an invitation. And even if we hear a no, you say, that's okay. I'm glad you asked. And you'll give us the, you'll give us the people that are eager to read and eager to study, eager to encourage. But Lord, would you help us to be your church mobilized way beyond what we could ever imagine. And we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And we give you the praises, and, and, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.